Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is, bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the the dead. Well, what does it say? The word is near you in your heart and in your mouth, that is, the word of faith which we are preaching. So he's using a variation of the Deuteronomy passage. And part of what's going on here, and let me just read from Boyce's commentary. I I referred to James Montgomery Boyce before. He's saying, neither Israel nor Christians today should be looking for miracles. It is because of this meaning that I've spoken of the religion of signs. It is part of this passage because, as nearly all commentators recognize, the expressions about ascending into heaven to bring Christ down and ascending into the abyss to bring Christ up are proverbial expressions for which is nearly impossible, or for which is clearly impossible. If, some time, if someone could produce Christ or his power on demand, bringing him down from above or up from below, that person would be a miracle worker. But we are not to look for that any more than we are to look for additional revelation. So in other words, here's what he's saying. God has spoken. That should be enough. God is not saying, okay, if it's not enough, then what I'll do is we'll have a sign. We'll have a miracle. Christ will come and speak to you. As my friend wanted. He really did. He wanted God to speak to him, personally. And I said, God is speaking to you personally. And I said, God is speaking to you personally here, in this book. You just don't think that it's God speaking. You just think this is a book. Well, then he said something else, or or another person said something else. They, They were listening, and they said, well, what about... You're talking about the red letters in the Bible. I said, no, I'm not talking about the red letters in the Bible. Oh, don't you like the red letters in the Bible? And I said, not particularly. And he said, why not? I said, because all of the words of this book are the word of God. All of the words of the Bible are the word of God. Not the words in red that Jesus spoke in the Gospels or in the book of Acts. Does everybody understand that? Red letter Bibles, the red letters aren't more important, the words in red aren't more important than the other words of the Bible. That's something that that Bible publishers and marketers do, and some people really believe it. It's like, well, this is true, but this is really true because Jesus said it. God said it. But we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Just an aside there. But the point that Paul is making here is we need to understand that God is not some sign giver. Just because certain people want signs, he doesn't do that. In fact, Jesus, when the Pharisees wanted a sign, and they were always going around looking for miracles, heard about the miracles, it's like, oh, show us a miracle. 
Here's what he says. A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given. Except the sign of the prophet Jonah, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be there three nights, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment and this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now one greater than Jonah's here. The Queen of the South will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear and listen to Solomon's wisdom and now one greater than Solomon is here. What's he saying? I'm here. No other sign. When people say, I want a sign, I want God to talk to me directly. Sorry, not going to happen. Oh, you know, I think Jesus is still in the grave. Bring him back to life. You missed the boat. He's already back to life. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Neither accept it or you don't. Believe it or reject it. But be warned. If you accept it, you'll have less life. <clears throat> if you reject it, you won't. How do you know that, Pastor? Boy, that's kind of awfully sure on your part. <clears throat> yeah, it is. How come? Well, when I have a conversation and it's going in that direction, I usually wrap up with this, and here's where we'll wrap up today. Sometimes if somebody's engaged and they want to talk about the Bible, there's certain things at least they like about the Bible. There's certain things that they know about the Bible. And sometimes I try and I'll say it this way, and then I need to explain it. It sounds bad, but it's not. I'll try to trap them. Here's what I mean. I'll say something like this. Do you know the Bible? Oh, I do. Oh, what do you know in the Bible? And where do they go? Well, I know this. God loves everybody. He does? How do you know that? John 3.16, Pastor. Oh, you got me on that one. How about I turn there? We'll read it together. Okay. They don't have a Bible, I'll hand them a Bible. Let's go to John 3.16. Let's make sure we get it right. Okay, that sounds good, Pastor. And we'll go to John 3.16 and I'll say, why don't you read it? And they read it and they go, they're smiling. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And I say to them, what do you think that means? And they say, it says that God loves everybody. I said, well, first of all, it doesn't say that. Let's look at it again. So look at it again. I said, what does it mean? It says, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Well, well, I gotta think about that, Pastor. Well, while you're doing that, I'm waiting to hold on to another thought. 
Oh, what's that? Well, it's always important, I think, whenever we're looking at the Bible together, that we always look at a verse in its context. They look at me again like maybe I have, you know, a third eye here in the middle of my forehead, and they don't know what that means. So I'll say to them, here's what that means. In its context, there's other verses around it that explain and show us how we ought to interpret those verses. And together, you have a collective thought. So John, as he's writing, says it further this way. For God didn't send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Again, they're smiling. See that? God wants to save everybody. Okay. Let's look at one more verse. He who believes in him, who's the head? Jesus. He who believes in him is not judged. But he who does not believe has been judged already. Or another translation that reads this way. Has been, he who believes on him is not judged. But he who does not believe has been judged or condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And I'll say, friend, what does that mean? Do you believe in God through Jesus? No, I don't. I believe in God. But, yeah, I'm not there yet. I don't, I don't believe in the Jesus stuff. Okay. What we just read, do you understand what it says? It says, you're already condemned. That's what it means. And, unless you repent and believe, you're not going to the same place as me. You just not. And trust me, you don't want to go there. But that's what it says. So the idea that God loves everybody, first of all, you're wrong. If what you mean is that he's going to save everybody, he's not. But God willingly embraces those that come to him by believing in his son Jesus. And Jesus says this, those that come to me, I won't cast away. Think about that. What's that mean? It means that my salvation is a sure thing. That's what it means. Pastor, can a Christian lose his salvation? I'll say it this way in the answer. A true Christian can't lose their salvation. But there are many who are make-believers, not true believers. There's believers, there's unbelievers, and there's make-believers. Jesus said it differently in the parable of the sower. There's some who receive the word, and they're the good ground. There's others, they're like the pathway. And then there's others that are the rocky ground soil and the thorny ground soil. And the rocky ground soil and the thorny ground soil those are the make-believers of the so-called Christian community. They may look for a time like they really are in the faith. And yet when the cares of this world and the tribulations of this world get to them, they're the ones that are ready to throw in the towel. And throw in the towel they do. And I can't tell you over the years how many people I've known 
who started off, maybe went to a church for a while, went to Bible studies for a while. Some folks that I watched be baptized, who at some point walked away from the faith and never came back. I don't think I'm going to see them again unless they repented along the way and believed along the way. Otherwise, they've denied the faith. But they denied the faith that they were never in the first place. Well, again, I realize this passage that we looked at briefly tonight is a difficult passage. If you have any questions, see me. If there's something you disagree with, let's talk about it. Again, to the measure that those things preach, those things that we wrestle through are true. Let's continue to embrace them to the degree that we've been in error, and we also need to continue study together. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the time that you've spent with us now. We ask that you would help us to um, more and more be like the Bereans, to test all things by the Scripture. We ask now that you dismiss us with your blessing, be with each one of us throughout the remainder of this day and as many days as you would give us here on earth. We thank you for hearing us as we pray. In Jesus' name.